Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. This week, we're discussing the latest release, In the Heights, based off of the Tony Award-winning musical from Lin-Manuel Miranda, his non-Hamilton musical, as uh, should probably be explained. Uh, with me to discuss In the Heights, as well as a larger conversation on movie musicals in general, uh, welcome to ba- have back on Josh Martin. Hello, thank you for having me, Jesse. Excited to uh, be on and talk about uh, one of the great Hollywood genres and uh, the latest sort of big uh, musical phenomenon that uh, is hitting screens and on HBO Max this weekend. So, yeah. Yes. So I should first say, did you see this in a theater or on HBO Max this weekend? I went with the HBO Max option. I was having a, a, a okay. larger conversation about this with friends. And um, for me, it's um, and it, a lot of it comes down to Hollywood's different paths forward in terms of windowing, in terms of, uh, you know, simultaneous releases. Um, for me, at this point in time, um, I'm going back to movie theaters to see stuff, um, stuff that I can't get at home. Um, but unless right. I'm going to see, uh, one of the HBO max movies, unless it's like people are wanting to go out and go, Hey, let's go see X, Y, and Z. It really doesn't matter what movie it is. Could be Godzilla versus Kong could be, uh, in the Heights could be, sorry, Johnny Dune, any of them I will watch at home until, uh, unless they put a window back in place. Um, so I know right. I know Warner Brothers and a lot of people have pushed hard for um, to see this movie in theaters. And I do agree with the general sentiment that it probably would play better uh, in that way. And I think this one, um, some of the box office reports came out already. It's looking a little bit. I was just reading a little softer yeah, than, that before we got than on. people were thinking it might do because it's had such great uh, buzz and such great reviews. I think this could be the thing that. Um, solidifies for warner brothers okay we can't do just pure like hbo max and and, um and uh theaters on the same day because like i was saying someone else if it wasn't on hbo max and i couldn't watch it uh at home in 4k with my uh headphones um yeah i would have seen it yesterday in theaters so it's just uh it's one of those things where it's an interesting uh, option and and uh and yeah, so did you see it in, in theaters or at home as well? No, I actually I watched it at home with um was was visiting some family uh recently and we all decided to to stay up and, and watch it on on Friday night and oh, wow. we all really, yeah. really en- enjoyed it, but I'm I'm sure it would play better. I was just reading those same box office reports as, as you before we hopped on and you know, I think maybe the dark side to this is maybe this is an indication that really the only movies people want to see in a movie theater are the the IP stuff yeah. right at the moment. But um, I don't know. I mean, we are going to be having a larger conversation about movie musicals. And, uh, you know, I don't think uh, this is the end for for this movie, which I had a blast watching um, if you know, thinking back to one of the more odd musical phenomenons of, of recent years, which is the greatest showman phenomenon, which was <laughs> yes. a movie that like never topped the box office, but actually wound up being like a gigantic hit because 
it there was just a a uh a avid fan base that went back like week after week after week and it just sort of spread as a word of mouth hit. even even Lala land was somewhat along those same exactly uh, along those same yeah. things and i think you're right in that um there's going to be a lot of uh of sort of hand wringing this weekend about oh is it uh you know is this an underperformance is this the streaming issue is this and i'm kind of already playing into that as well a little bit but this is definitely one where you want to give it some time to play out and let's see what happens with the box office over the course of the summer if it drops 60 percent next weekend yeah that's a problem um if it drops 20 percent, then you'll know that this was more an issue of um, for these non-blockbuster films, people have just for a long time never, um, never felt the need to rush out opening weekend. It's very rare um, that you see. Maybe maybe the the second Mamma Mia film, everyone that had a maybe a sizable that's, opening weekend, but even that was a that's true a slow burn. So um, I think it's one of those things where we just have to sort of uh, proceed with caution and um, you know we'll see what happens and it's a it's an interesting uh genre and let's be honest there is not much out in theaters right now i was having this conversation with a friend the other day and they're like what's what's out to see and i I was able to list about two or three movies uh it is a very very dead even next week june 18th like this is like prime summer real estate there's nothing right it is i mean there's nothing there's the major release next week which I, i don't know that i can necessarily speak on you know too much about it but the big release next week is a new pixar movie but that on disney is plus just going on disney plus or the, yeah. i think the only thing that's coming to theaters is the edgar wright documentary about you know and that's a very sort of limited right audience so yeah i mean obviously we'll be getting fast and furious the weekend after but uh i think there is still a window here should people be returning to theaters for uh, for in the heights to do quite well uh even if it wasn't sort of a, a blockbuster opening weekend yeah, and maybe this is uh my chance to do some advocacy and say this is uh I think kind of uh you know not not a a perfect movie. I think not something that ranks among the greatest musicals ever made, but this is I think kind of a a perfect summer movie in a way and kind of a a big communal sort of flashy, colorful, crowd-pleasing musical that does not that that feels in sort of conversation with some of these these classic musicals that we've uh that I'm sure we'll talk about but also feels modern and I don't know even just watching it at home um I'm sure we'll get into more of the details but uh my family and I just like had a blast afterwards and like you know like my aunt and uncle are but granted they were coming back from a a uh, cross-country plane flight so we're a bit uh off on their time zones but you know we're up till about like midnight watching this movie and afterwards we're like that's a blast and yeah like for you know that like, they are not uh my aunt especially not afraid to just fall asleep in a movie if <laughs> she is not vibing with it but you know it's it's a long movie but i it i was sort of dazzled by it the entire time um i don't know what what were sort of your thoughts after initially seeing it yeah so it was one of those movies where i i I, so i think it's worth prefacing i was never um i never really got in on the the hamilton phenomenon that was never okay uh, something that i was very up to date on um 
and I go back. I, I will say I was ne- I was not someone who I, I purposely stayed as far away from it as possible. So like when I experienced it on Disney Plus last year was the the first time. But we'll we'll say that I thought it was like one of the rare things in life where it's like, all right, I get it. I, I get the hype. Yeah, I, I was like worried that it was going to sort of let me down and being like, no, 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 I get it. This this is kind of awesome. Yeah, no. So I, I definitely think I'll, I'll encounter it at some point. But I have I have like you stayed away to this point. Um, so I, I thought, you know, the, the hype for In the Heights has been very strong over the last month or so. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll, you know, maybe this won't be for me. Maybe I'll be able to, to resist it. From the first scene, I was pretty, um, knocked out by it. I was like, okay, this is going to be legit. Um, I think it opens in a really, uh, spectacular fashion with this sort of extended, a uh, musical set piece that introduces all the characters, their sort of situations yep. uh, in this really fluid, impressive fashion um, in a way that really sort of hit me. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Um, the way I feel about the film as a whole, um, I think I wrote this on a, a brief little letterbox blurb. I think it's highs, it's high points are mm-hmm. sensational. And I fully do agree with yeah. you. It has this sort of, um, joyful infectious uh sort of euphoric feeling that at its best um that it really induces um and it does i mean if we're talking about musicals as a a whole it really shows the power of what uh, that genre can do at its peak um and i think it really works well with all the 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 ensemble there is this uh real feeling of community which is i think sort of part of the text itself but it's really uh, well evoked by the cast um, you mentioned that it's a long film, and it is. I think it's also a bit of an overstuffed film, and one that can be um, really tonally all over the place. Um, a little bit with yeah. its pacing as well. I think uh, you know there's a lot of major events happening, but there's this quick sort of progression from one musical number to another, um, which is how Broadway shows are sometimes. So it's almost like I'm raising an objection with the the form itself, but um, right. I felt like it was, uh, you know, I was really in on that first number. And then at a certain point, um, there's a bit of a, uh, I think I, once again, I think I called it in my first reaction, a sort of sugar rush takes hold at a certain point where there's so much uh, of this sort of uh, infectious optimism um, and these really spectacular dance numbers um, that it, it, there is a, a sort of fatigue sets in at a certain point with a, um, with the the fact that it's a fairly long film. Once again, if you're a, a Broadway aficionado, you'll probably be like, okay, you're just complaining about like the nature of most Broadway shows, which is that they're, they're three hours long yes. uh, and they have a lot of musical numbers. Um, so this is uh, this is a me problem, not a, a not necessarily a problem with the movie, but I do think uh, the pacing can get a bit um, wonky from time to time. And uh, so, but like I said, those those high points. Uh, whether it be the opening or the uh, Carnival del Barrio number or the 96,000. No- I mean, there there are some really, yes. really phenomenal sequences here um, that will that play fantastic at home and that I imagine play even better in the theater. Um, and mm-hmm. some of the, the ballads and the, the, you know, the more heartfelt moments work as well. I think it's a really strong, solid film. Um even if I agree with you and that I don't think it's a great musical per se. 
Yeah. Um, so I should say I never, I was totally unfamiliar with this, this musical before seeing it. I've never seen the, the stage show. Um, essentially the kind of best synopsis I could give is it is kind of, a, you know, these two love stories within the, the like Latinx community of, um, uh, Washington Heights in New York and is all is is, is to some extent a giant ensemble movie with all these various characters um, yeah. within this community and uh, you know I would say the two love stories maybe to kind of piggyback off what you said one of the love stories I thought worked beautifully and um, that would be the one between uh, Anthony Ramos who most people probably recognize from Hamilton his character and uh melissa barrera's character in the movie um the 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 other sort of side romance um between this this character nina in the film who's a a college student who uh is off i believe it's um what's the school is it berkeley where she is but she's basically off at the west coast and uh is sort of seen as this pillar of the community that is um you know, the, the first person to kind of make it out and go to college in this neighborhood and her relationship with um, Corey Hawkins character who plays uh, a young man that works at her father's cab stand and their re- romance and relationship, I, I think, is is less engaging. And that's more of some of the, the more sort of sweet love ballads. Um, yeah. And I think both those actors are like uh, you know Corey Hawkins and Leslie Grace who plays Nina both like very charming <laughs> people to watch on screen so that's it's nothing against them I just sort of found those parts of the the movie l- less engaging than some of the stuff with um An- Anthony Ramos and uh Melissa Barrera which was just sort of like oh my gosh, these are movie stars right here. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's such an obvious thing to say, but like Anthony Ramos, whenever he is on screen, is just like, like, uh, just sort of radiates this energy and this kind of like effortless charisma and just is the, you can't take your eyes off him. Um, so I don't, I don't know, would you say those are kind of like, the, the similar sections of the movie that kind of like lost you a bit compared to um, sort sort of the more uh, yeah of the of the kind of two main love stories I guess in this movie yeah I mean I gotta be honest I didn't um, I didn't have a particular um, issue with either story on their own for me it was just the um, the rapid uh, pace and juxtaposition of all the different stories it's just kind of a uh, gives you whiplash at a certain point the example i gave when i was writing about the film was there's a a scene at the around the midway point where um they are there's a a dinner scene and it's a party but it devolves into a a fight between uh nina and her father which in its own way is a little cliched it ends with the kind of uh that kind of (laughs) it's not my dream dad it's yours moment and so it's just kind of like okay (laughs) um but that scene happens and it's just kind of big breaking point in the movie. Um, and then it quickly shifts over to, okay, we're all going out and we're going to the, the club. Um, and then there's a whole drama that happens there between uh, Uznavi and Vanessa. And then uh, 
And then very quickly, it's like, okay, now we're going to the, the, the movie's been telegraphing this blackout that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then that happens. Then there's another musical number there. And then it shifts back to um, Abuela Claudia, who is uh, this main uh, main character, the sort of matriarch of the neighborhood. Um, then right. a number there. So it's like all of that happens in the span of like 20 minutes. Um, and right. the numbers are really good on their own. And each scene has this, uh, you know, this combination of, dazzling choreography and uh, uh it really is impressive it's just i didn't feel like everything was always given the right amount of time to breathe per se and i, I thought okay. there could have been um uh, a bit more of a buffer between some of the numbers um in ways that sort of smooth the movie's pacing out it would probably be even longer than it already is which is a problem but i do think when you're a problem for me perhaps with some Broadway musicals that are just overloaded and overstuffed with numbers is that I, I think it can be a bit too much of a, a good thing at a certain point where you're sort of, um, and I think it happens in this film to a certain extent where you might just be overloading your audience eventually with just uh, too much for me. I mean, it might just be my own personal preference for slower pacing, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's something to the sheer sort of um, relentless energy of this movie where at first, you know, like I said, that opening scene, it was like a jolt of, of pure joy. And I was like, okay, yes, this is going to do it for, for me. And then it, it slowly sort of gets a little bit like, okay, this is a lot as it goes on. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely sort of kind of agree on the, on the love stories. Um, I didn't think one was significantly more engaging than the other, but just, I think the, there, there's just a lot of stuff in this movie that doesn't always have time um, to breathe, but it still right is pretty uh, pretty engaging throughout. Yeah, I mean, one thing you and I have both clearly touched on and both agree on is the the how dazzling the choreography, yeah. and just the the these these massive musical set pieces. I mean, the the one that I've heard people sort of rave about the most is the the 96,000 song yeah. which is this like elaborate like Bugsley Bubsley Berkeley yep. musical number in a like community pool and just like my jaw was on the floor the entire time through that sequence um I re- I think we I do have to shout out John M Chu who directed the movie and um you know made Crazy Rich Asians but also I think the clear kind of um connection here is more the some of the the step-up movies that he did and that's not necessarily a a series i'm super familiar with but it makes sense that you know a a filmmaker who did these the essentially modern dance movies where you know the you are you are there to sort of watch the elaborate choreography in these big dance sequences could now do a a big lavish Hollywood musical and I think where this succeeds and where I think a lot of other modern musicals don't succeed is I think he understands how to sort of stage these these big set piece sequences in a way that you can just sort of luxuriate in the choreography and the movement of bodies on screen whereas I feel like what sometimes happens in musicals today is there's a tendency to kind of like overcut or like we're not 
or, or you know, it's it's a it's a famous movie star, so you want to give them a close up or something. Yeah. But you're missing out on some of that um, that movement and that kinetic energy, and it just becomes sort of like, well, what am I looking at? Yeah. Or leaves this sort of underwhelming feeling, and I think that's been part of the problem in some of these more recent um, movie adaptations of big shows on Broadway is, you know, when you're in the theater and you're watching something, you, you are, you are getting to see everything sort of just laid out right in front of you and can sort of like turn your eyes to whatever part of the stage you wish. Whereas, you know, when something like into the woods, for example, um, you know, comes to, to screen or no, the, the, the best example of this, which I think is a terrible movie is the, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, this this filmmaker has made two god awful movie musicals based. <laughs> I know where of, this is going. Is the the Tom Hooper Cats and Tom Hooper. I was specifically going for. I Les was thinking Miz, you were going Lame Miz. Cats is too toxic these... to even touch. <laughs> Cats is just like we we don't we don't have the time to just devolve into the the insanity and of just like bad choices in that movie. But essentially, like the thing that sinks his. Les Mis um, adaptation is it's like it's all in close-ups yeah and it, you get none of the the sort of spectacle that a musical like that which I don't think has necessarily like dance choreography I've never seen it on the stage but yeah like has a certain amount of spectacle that you are losing by just sort of like here is Anne Hathaway's face for an entire like five minute un- uninterrupted got to that Oscar ballad. though man that's all that that's all that it's <laughs> yeah. about yeah no I mean I agree that this is certainly a more convincing argument for the the power and continued validity of the Hollywood musical than uh, Cats or Les Mis um, I certainly think uh, yeah I do still think this is uh, I've seen some people say it and I still I would be sympathetic with this argument i still do think this is overcut at some points which it gives it its kinetic energy like you've said where you're sort of bouncing mm-hmm. around and certainly you're right that this is more um much more than uh many other musicals concerned with this large form choreography where you've got lots of extras and lots of people around um mm-hmm. it does kind of you know bounce very rapidly almost with the the rhythm of the the music but um yeah, no, I still thought it was very solid. And yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'm remembering now that Cats is the last. For a while there, Cats was one of the last movies I I saw in theaters. Now, I saw quite a few in 2020 before everything shut down, but I still remembered seeing Cats on the big screen. And uh, uh, yeah, no, this is a much more convincing argument for musicals. Broadway adaptations than Cats, which is uh, right, you know, just this just ghastly motion picture. Well, let's talk a little bit about kind of the history of this genre yeah. on the big screen. Um, I'll toss the ball to you, but I feel like kind of the golden age for these movies is kind of the the forties up through kind of the early mid 60s the 60s is sort of this weird sort of transitional uh period for this genre where you know i i think the the musical i think of along with something like the western you and i have had conversations on this podcast about the history of western movies but the musical i i feel like is is to old Hollywood what say like I don't know superhero movies are today. That's such a like basic comparison, but is is what I think of as sort of the 
the gold standard of a certain kind of lavish old school studio Hollywood production. And I think the reason those movies sort of when you start to get into the the late 60s, they sort of their their popularity and their um, as well as I think just sort of the general quality and how people react to them both in the time and now uh, I think sort of dwindles because of the, the sort of uh, inability to sort of like mold with the times. And obviously there are, you know, we'll kind of we'll get into a little bit like, there are people like Bob Fosse in the seventies yeah. who adds a certain like sex appeal and, and sort of dangerous energy back into the genre. And obviously musicals still get made today, but uh, would you kind of agree that kind of that, that forties clearly the fifties the is kind of like the peak to me. And then sort of it into the sixties is sort of like going down the mountain slope until I think the end of the sixties, once you get into the new Hollywood of the seventies, the, these movies sort of, stop being i think the centerpiece of movie culture in a lot of ways yeah i'd say box office wise i would go maybe the peak would be it's hard to know because the it's sometimes hard to track box office for the uh like the 50s and 40s some movies get so it's hard to know but i know for based on that the sort of one box office mojo chart that everyone uses i mean if you adjust for inflation like uh, Sound of Music and uh, Mary Poppins are still some of the biggest movies ever made. So you're hitting right, right. there in the you're right in that that mid 60s period um, is sort of the, the final moment before it kind of all um, goes downhill. I know like in uh, Mark Harris's Pictures at a Revolution, which tracks the five movies that were nominated for Best Picture in 1967, I believe. Um, yes. Incre incredible book. Yeah, it's a really great, like a great read. Um, and it's a sort of really great document on the, the shift from old Hollywood to the new. And so you've got like The Graduate and Bonnie and Clyde are nominated that year, but also Dr. Doolittle, which was this just enormous flop of a, a major right. thing. But everyone, because uh, My Fair Lady was this big musical success um, in the 60s, in the mid 50s to the early 60s, there's this increased Hollywood panic over um, television. And uh, much like today, there's the panic over streaming. Back then, there was more of a panic over um, we need to get audiences uh, off their ass and into movie theater seats. And it's like we can't have them sitting at home watching TV all day long. So they devised these giant, uh, as Harris explains with a lot of these and, and just more broadly, these big roadshow productions were a huge thing for Hollywood where it's like these massive epic movies and musicals fit that like a glove i mean it's you know they're most of them on broadway are, are close to three hours already so um it became a big thing back then but you're right in the the sort of original uh when hollywood transitions to sound um the musical genre is one of the the sort of keystones of that because um in many ways it shows a potential that silent cinema didn't have you can't really do right. um a silent musical and just be a song and dance uh, so yeah those early um early late 20s i mean even like uh the, the the first sound film the jazz singer um or at least what's sort of canonically seen as the first uh is a musical in some capacity and like one of the earlier best picture winners the broadway melody but yeah you have some of the um very early musicals at, at like Paramount in the early thirties. Um, certainly the peak comes with 
um, I, there's very different kinds of musicals, at least in the way that I see them. Like, I don't know. There's, there's certainly a stark difference from a Gene Kelly MGM movie from, um, what Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers do. This is they're they're very right. different kinds of musicals. Obviously Astaire and Rogers are hugely popular in uh the thirties. Um the forties and fifties you certainly get I think two fairly substantial um musical directors. You've got uh Vincente Minnelli, uh who does Meet Me in St. Louis, um American in Paris. Uh, the bandwagon, a number of these very famous musicals. I mean, you've also got the team of, of Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan, uh, Donan, who do um, what, for my money, is the the peak of the Hollywood musical uh, in Singing in the Rain. And that's in 1952. I was kind of hoping you were maybe going to, because I was, I was going to ask like what, what to you is like the apex of, of this genre and was sort of like, I have a feeling Josh is going to say singing in the rain, but I, I, I kind of want to say a more like kind of like off the beaten path, like uh example, but like it's, I mean, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Like, I no, I, I mean, don't know what it, else to say right. about it's, it. That's It's the cliched pick, especially because it's so high at this point in the canon and on the, the last uh, AFI list. Um, and I think it really is, uh, Everyone who I've ever shown that movie to or recommended it to falls in love with it. It's really remarkable. Um, but I mean, right. Gene Kelly made a lot of other uh, strong musicals as well in the fifties and uh, you know, it, it's, or the late forties, early fifties. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, if I was going to go with a, a slightly lesser scene uh, musical or wanted to push the conversation about musicals in the, in a different direction, um, I'd go and talk about the the Jacques Demi uh, musicals from, from yeah. France. Um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Umbrellas another, of Cherbourg, and then great one. Um, the Young Girls of Rochefort with uh, Catherine Deneuve is is probably my favorite. Um, it's still a, a sort of melancholic musical and one that um, a lot of people have argued both that and Umbrellas. Uh, certainly, the ending of Umbrellas of Cherbourg is a, a connection to La La Land. Um, but, um, Rochefort is a, a sort of a bit more of an upbeat musical, but mm-hmm. it's, um, a, a real masterpiece. And I love those two films. Um, and those are in the sixties. So Demi is kind of doing something different, obviously well outside of the Hollywood studio system. Um, right. And so, yeah, no. And if I was going to go with another, like sort of slightly, um, underseen, uh, musical, I'd probably go with the, um, in the early 30s, if you look at like the films made by Ernst Lubitsch and uh, in this case, uh, Ruben Mamoulian, um, it's certainly less about dancing and more just about singing. So uh, Love Me Tonight with Maurice Chevalier and Jeanette MacDonald um, and a, a bunch of just all-star, you know, paramount supporting actors from the early 30s. That's a great one as well. A very, very different kind of musical from the Arthur Freed uh, Gene Kelly, Don and Benelli style that comes later. Right. Um, obviously, as well, um, in the early 30s, you're not going to get, um, you know, color isn't uh, a big thing yet right. in cinema. The Technicolor is still a few years off. Um, and I think so much of what we associate with um, 
contemporary musicals specifically, but also just the musical more historically, um, has to do with with Technicolor and those sort of Technicolor spectacles. Um, and so the musical is very much um, sort of closely associated with color. Um, even so Wizard of Oz, obviously not the first Technicolor film. And although, you know, it kind of has that reputation because of its shift from black and white to color. But obviously that's a music, right. uh, that's a musical as well. Um, and uh, obviously influential for a reason. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean that, that is, is sort of a opening of a door for us to talk about, you know, the Judy Garland of it all mm-hmm. and the, the sort of like insane, I over quarantine, like watch several iconic Judy Garland musicals, um, including meet me in St. Louis and, you know, probably my favorite, which is the, the George Cukor, Star is Born adaptation from the mid fifties. Um, I obviously like adore the most recent version that Bradley Cooper did, but I think of the the four iterations of that movie over Hollywood history, like the the Judy Garland one is is maybe the the apex and that yeah. just what just letting having the, that kind of Technicolor lavishness that you you talked about, but also just a willingness to just like let the camera just like go on her and her just that like insane voice of her on display and being able to do things with her singing voice that just like blows my mind. And I think if you ever need like it to, to say that someone needs proof of Judy Garland is one of the, the great singers of all time is kind of insane. But like, if, if you ever need sort of proof of it, then I would highly suggest watching the, the fifties, version of a star is born because it is it is just all there on display and just like an incredible sort of tour de force singing performance no absolutely and uh and also i was gonna jump back on something just because i was talking a little bit about the, the difference between the early technicolor musicals and uh black and white ones though i think certainly one of the early figures in black and white musical cinematography is someone you mentioned as a, as an influence for in the Heights, which would be uh, Busby Berkeley's um, yep. very famous musical choreography. Um, Footlight Parade is one of those movies that has a few uh, moments that'll uh, it'll make you cringe uh, in terms of just, it's from 1933 and it's outdated in some ways. So I always like to preface mm-hmm. uh, that movie before I mention how much I kind of adore it. Um, it's a really spectacular musical and uh even the parts that aren't singing in that one which that one um i I think i forget i'm totally blanking on the breakdown but there there are two different um or at least some people consider multiple forms of of musicals where it's like obviously it's like the ones where everyone's breaking into song and then there's ones where it's a little bit more um realistic i don't know if that's really the best word to use there but uh footlight parade is very much like a let's put on a show movie so the first half has like no musical numbers and then it's all right we have the or at least very minimal of what i remember um and the second half is really the berkeley spectacle of of you know sort of bodies in and sort of well or choreographed positions and um specifically the like the in the heights number um takes that influence of i think like you said, it's at a community pool and like Vanessa's on a raft in the center. And then it's in these sort of circles around her and it's in these, right, in these shapes, right. um, which Berkeley uh, did so well. Um, but yeah, obviously if you're going to talk about the the major 
figures of, in musical history, um, Judy Garland is right there up at the top with um, some of the films she made with uh, Manelli or even like a film that I'm not as fond of, but has some nice moments, uh, Easter Parade with Fred Astaire. Um, so mm-hmm. certainly it was a, a, a there were these stars who their their sort of persona was wrapped around um, being in musicals and uh, that being very popular throughout um, the forties and, you know, onward, but yeah, you're right that it starts to pivot um, in the, the mid to late sixties uh, where, you know, so much changes in Hollywood. Right. And, and, yeah. I mean, I mean, an excellent sort of comparison of this is I, I believe these movies are both the same year. If they're not, they're maybe like a year or two apart of each other. But Hello, Dolly, which stars Barbara Streisand and is like in the early 70s and is like a very old fashioned um, kind of lavish big studio musical. But with, with sort of that kind of like old school musical I don't mean this totally in a negative way, but kind of like corniness and earnestness about it and is very colorful. Yeah. And that comes out pretty much, I it, it, not the same year, right around the same time as Cabaret, Bob Fosse's movie, which is yeah. much darker, is dirty, is sexy, yeah. and is much more, and that movie becomes a phenomenon and wins a bunch of Oscars and is much more in keeping with the the sort of like fast dangerous uh nature of the movies in the the kind of new hollywood period and uh you know i i think the musical has has survived throughout the years but i would say it it kind of takes a, a back burner of you know with movies like cabaret and all that jazz you have people like bob fossey that are are, are sort of uh modernizing it and putting a, a more kind of adult uh sort of provocative spin on it and then i wonder i want i want to see test this theory out on you i think the thing that kind of like becomes the centerpiece of the the kind of musical genre through let's say the 90s is really disney like if you think back to all of those kind of like uh disney renaissance movies whether they're the little mermaid or aladdin or beauty and the beast they are big lavish musicals just as animated movies and that kind of becomes the the primarily mode of the the musical genre up until we get to this century and i figured it'd be fun to kind of talk about the strengths and weaknesses of different musicals in this century and kind of where the genre is today certainly i think the two kind of big ones that kickstart the the 21st century are moulin rouge which is in a a sort of subgenre of musical that i really detest although i like moulin rouge which is the jukebox musical yeah it, and and i i think one of the reasons i i like moulin rouge despite it or you know is for one thing it's sort of uh weirdness yeah <laughs> and it, it and it's sort of like how unashamedly campy it is but also you know i think unlike a lot of other jukebox musicals whether it's rock of ages or mamma mia like it is not just the the how recognizable the music is the songs that they are picking, but also like finding, even if it is sort of like corny and funny ways to sort of like mash different songs together or sort of spin a new context on them. 
And that movie obviously becomes a big hit. It's a huge phenomenon. Chicago is the other, I think, notable one in the sort of early part of this century. Um, I caught up with that movie for the first time over quarantine and I thought it was fun. Um, it It's sort of weird. I think that movie has a little bit of a divisive reception now of like some people find it like really overrated considering how lauded it was at the time and it's, winning it's best the picture. curse of being the best picture winner, to be honest. Right. You know? As well as I've heard like several people recently being like, no, Chicago is actually a masterpiece and like we need to like. I don't know if I go that far, but I, I did watch it a few years ago when my high school yeah. was doing it and I did like it a lot. I actually haven't seen Moulin Rouge because I, I think that one might just be total sensory overload. But I have heard enough interesting <laughs> things where I'm like, I need to check it out at some point. Yes, uh, sensory overload is probably an accurate <laughs> description of of the experience. Um but I don't know what what are your kind of thoughts on on how the genre has progressed in in sort of the the decades since and kind of where we find it today and a sort of sub question to do you count kind of uh, the genre of the music biopic as as a musical because I would say while maybe musicals have become less frequent this century we have gotten an insane increase in the music biopic yeah. and people saying like i want to see the ray charles movie or the johnny cash movie or the queen movie because i want to hear these recognizable songs even if the the way this person's story is being presented on screen is um you know kind of a cardboard cutout are you telling me that bohemian rhapsody was not <laughs> completely true to the life of Freddie Mercury. Anyways, I think it's a really interesting question. And I think I was looking through um, just like a list of musicals or music themed movies I've seen on, on Letterboxd. And um, I think one could argue that the the jukebox musical, as well as the music biopic, are almost kind of descendants of uh, in the 50s and 60s, you start seeing um, less of the musicals uh, with the, the sort of conventional stars like Astaire and Gene Kelly. Obviously, you still have the major musicals in that time period and a new generation of stars comes in, whether it's West Side Story or... Anyways. But you start getting like Elvis makes a series of movies in the 50s. Yep, the, the Beatles. Of course, the... the yeah, the Beatles Hard Day's movies Night which I adore. And yeah. Help, uh, even The Monkees, which is a very different movie with the head is very out there. But um, you, I can see sort of the jukebox musical and... And like Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, I don't know. The, I, I think it's like this is, you know, probably a, uh, most people saw that for the, the Queen music. Like, I don't think it was yeah, like that's that's ex- like I heard so many people be like, I, I get it. I know the movie has a lot of problems and is probably objectionably bad. But I just wanted to like hear Queen music. Exactly. In a big movie theater stereo system. And it was that was a huge influence for why that became a, a 900 million dollar hit. And it's like. Mamma Mia certainly is kind of the same logic of even if, you know, ABBA's not in it, it's just, it's those songs and something sort of written around it. Even, um, this wasn't really a musical and it sucked, but that Beatles rom-com yesterday from Danny Boyle. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, to- totally the same it's thing. It's kind I mean, of that, along those that... same lines. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, though I honestly consider, um, you know, you mentioned Walk Hard, and I think one of the things uh, that some of the the better uh, musicals, even if they don't follow the classic Hollywood style, but have been um, 
you know, the musical comedies in a way of, you know, it's, and that's something that sort of bled over to Broadway um, with like Book of Mormon becoming a big hit or Avenue Q where it's these sort of raunchy, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, musical riffs. Um, and you know, a film like this is spinal tap is very different from that. And so is walk hard and right. so is pop star. Um, and neither of the latter two, I believe were very big hits when they came out, but you know, there's certainly, uh, playing with the conventions there and, and the music is the big draw. Um, you know, and it's just, it's very, uh, it's a very different kind of musical, storytelling and it's why the genre as we've sort of indicated throughout this conversation has some sort of like a it's hard to put your finger on you don't want to go too broad with it and go like any movie that has like oh like rio bravo has a scene where they sing that counts as a musical (laughs) now it's like well you can't really go there but um you don't also want to be like too limiting with it and just say well only things that have been adapted from uh adapted from stage plays or ones where they just break out singing are the only things we can call as musicals because uh, that takes down even like a lot of the numbers in, um, you know, various movies of is, you know, is Robert Altman's Nashville musical? I don't really know. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's on, that, it's on that borderline. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to look at the uh, music movie versus the musical. If we're going to uh, put a very narrow lens on the musical as um, films like in the Heights where people break out into song Um but yeah, no, it's very, um, I think it might be Mike D'Angelo's review of Singing in the Rain that breaks down the difference between the two, or just something I read in a film studies textbook where it's like, there's a very clear difference between these different, uh, styles of musicals. But, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting question to ask and certainly one, uh, in the, the modern age, especially because I think, um, you know, this year, I think a lot of people have noticed that we're getting, more of the very very conventional broadway adaptation musicals yes, are coming I mean, back yeah i mean we've we've obviously hunter Hyman and i've talked of you know we got we got on mike his uh pretty hilarious realization about the dear evan hansen movie um you know in conversation within the heights in some weird way because it's kind of the same neighborhood pretty much is steven spielberg's a uh, readaptation of West Side Story, yeah. which I, 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 on one hand, am sort of like, why? Because we already have a a sort of pretty acclaimed adapt movie, it won best picture, movie. <laughs> and it won like ten Oscars. <laughs> it like swept all of the Oscars for exactly. its year, but a pretty iconic adaptation of that musical. Yeah. But also, like, if you were to just stop me on the street and say Steven Spielberg is doing a musical, I would be like, what? where can i give my money yeah. like that i i almost that can't trailer was good it. i mean and i i was yeah, not really I, looking forward to it and also there's the the whole question of the, does anyone really want to see a movie oh, with ansel elgord at this point but oh god we we don't got time to get yeah exactly that, but, but and yeah. it was clear from the trailer that they're sort of trying to hide him from it and focus on the sort of mastery of spielberg's filmmaking instead Right. Um, but of like a, a filmmaker, I almost whose whose filmmaking style and the way he moves the camera and his his skill at blocking yeah. and 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 movement and kinetics just sort of lends itself to that genre. And, you know, that he is one of our great action filmmakers. And there is this kind of fun relationship between what makes a good action movie and what makes a good like big lavish musical. And so absolutely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm almost 
you know, it, curiously optimistic of just sort of being like one of the just great directors of movement and blocking yeah. is going to be do dealing with this genre. But I mean, you know, also we have the Aretha Franklin movie, yep. which into into our sort of is a music biopic a musical it will sort of be a a wrench in that question and um i don't know how to what extent uh annette is a musical but i as i understand it, it looks like it much, is yeah it is it, it looks like you know a very weird but you know delightful kind of more in the spirit of i think something like tommy the the like the 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 movie that is sort of adapted with like songs by the who and um i believe that's that is that that's the name of that movie or is it quadra or is tommy just one song i'm not got, a huge gotta be fan, honest but, i don't know either but, <laughs> but you in the sense of like there there is a sort of history of kind of like rock operas and yeah. this being the band sparks doing their kind of own like big screen rock opera um yeah i i I, it's it's one of the things i thought was going to be fun about having this conversation is that there are so many musicals coming out lin-manuel miranda himself will be back with his directorial debut uh which tick tick i kind of watched half the trailer for and went okay but um yeah no it's really making a big comeback this year and uh no i have to give i have to give lin-manuel miranda props um shout out to him for not playing the lead role in, in the Heights. He originally played it, uh, you know, 12, 13 yes. years ago uh, and said, nope, I'm, I'm not going to play that role in the movie, um, which, you know, if he had, he probably would have fallen into the Ben Platt trap, which uh, everyone yes. when that trailer for Dear Evan Hansen <laughs> came out, which I felt bad because a little, well, not really, but, um, you know, everyone immediately was like, this man is supposed to be in high school. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, exactly. um, and so clearly if, you know, if, if Lin-Manuel Miranda had been playing the uh, Usnavi role in In the Heights, he's talking about, I just turned 30. It's like, I did you though. And so, you know, I'm glad I have to give him a shout out for, uh, for that. But um, yeah, no, it's a very interesting time to be a fan of, of musicals in Hollywood. And it, it's one of those things where after, I think after La La Land hit it big and everyone, yeah. or maybe Mamma Mia was a really pushed it over the second Mamma Mia um, where everyone was like, Oh, okay. Maybe we, maybe there is an audience for, for big screen musicals and you know, Hollywood took, took five years to come around. Yeah. I think it's sort of the tag team too of like, you know, we mentioned greatest showman, yep, which is yep. just one of the more bizarre movie phenomena. I forget that one because years. I kind of hated it. So like, that's, that's an easy oh, one I, for, it is, for me to like, just slip it, my mind. It is a terrible, terrible movie, but it, it is also just sort of like, it, it, it is insanely popular and it made yeah. a gigantic sum of money and, and is rare of like most of the big screen musicals in recent years are adaptations of Broadway productions. Like Mamma Mia is an adaptation of a Broadway production and rock of ages, a Broadway production cats, a Broadway production, Les Mis, a Broadway production. Um, you know, dear Evan Hansen in the Heights, Broadway production. Yeah. I think there's another big into the woods, a Broadway production yep. and the Rob La La Marshall Land, collection. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And La La Land and the greatest showman are really the only two kind of like big original, uh musicals of of the last several years and obviously one of those movies i think while 
flawed is a really fun movie going experience and the other one is a bizarre yeah let's just leave it there a just bizarre object that exists in the world but um yeah i kind of agree with you i wonder if sort of like those two movies becoming hits sort of like reignited a a a passion for these kinds of movies and i i certainly think the hamilton of it all Mm -hmm. is like the the sense that hamilton became this just like the biggest thing in the culture regardless of not just the musical theater culture but just the culture and the enthusiasm for that of i do not think we'd be getting an in the heights movie if not for just the the overwhelming popularity of hamilton and of just saying like what oh there's another lin-manuel miranda musical quick quick, somebody finance this and like however big the budget like let's just do it and and i almost wonder if you know I think I think La La Land and Greatest Showman being kind of like the stepping ladders and then the sort of gradual over the course of a few years, Hamilton just becoming something that like you and I, we we didn't see the show when it was like running in New York or London or wherever it was, but it's sort of everyone was sort of just aware of the, the sort of Titanic shadow of even musical. some of the lyrics have just permeated the culture so much where if someone says, right. I'm not throwing away my shot, I know what you're talking about. So it's like, even if I haven't seen it, it's like, it definitely has gotten, uh, you're right, it, it has this sort of uh, ubiquitous nature that made it a, a force uh, to be reckoned with. And when they eventually make the Hamilton movie, which they will, it's going to happen. Um, and not just the Disney Plus recording of the show. They will do like a, right. a stage one at some point. It's going to make a lot of money. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited to see the genre come back in whatever form. I mean, even I'm looking over the list of, of sort of musicals that I love. And um, even, uh, you know, this is more of a jukebox musical with some original songs. But even something like Sing Street, this sort of small uh, indie mm, production mm-hmm. is a, a, a film. It's good to see uh, music driven movies on screen. And I think it, it is, you know, obviously there are dark musicals that work really well. Um, but at the same time, I think clearly a lot of them, uh, you know, the big argument for In the Heights this weekend seems to be, um, you know, it, it was unfair always to put this all on one movie or to put this on any of the movies that are coming out. Um, but this idea of it being like the movie we need right now, and obviously in Hollywood history, it's like you can trace back a lot of people uh, who sort of, you know, attribute the popularity of musicals and a Stare and Rogers films and just any sort of lightweight entertainment to um, the shadow of the depression and, you know, coming out of this sort of year long uh, pandemic yeah, totally. economic, you know, just mass sort of social upheaval on every level. Uh, I think there is this sort of idea of like, it's the movie we need right now. And, you know, whether that's fair or not, or whether the musical yeah. genre, I think it's uh I think that makes sense to me as to why the popularity of, of sort of music driven movies is, is going to increase uh, even Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody I mean, as much as I didn't like it at the, you know, that was at the peak of yeah. the, I guess the, the peak of the Trump era. And it's just like, you know, let's go see, you know, just listen to some queen music for a while, even if, you know, right. a simple scene at a dinner table has 87 cuts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, know. I mean, I, I can, I can attest to, finding uh the the sort of community absolutely aspect of of um in the heights sort of 
moving in a way. And I don't think I'm the only person who is sort of, or the first person at least that is, has sort of made that comment of there is in, after this year of isolation, something just sort of like beautiful and moving about like a crowded street of people or a crowded pool, just sort of all dancing yep. in sync and sort of the, that the kind of infectious positivity of this movie and sense of fun. And so I, 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 whether or not that this is sort of the the spoonful of sugar that that people want after such a, a rough year, um, who's to say? I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks. But I I know I personally, it 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 was kind of that kind of piece of escapism sugar that I was sort of craving um, and and missing from my life in the last year or year and a half, Absolutely. Or however long it's been. No, I mean, I do wonder, you, you you ask a good question there, of like, is this the escapism that, that people want? And I hope so. I mean, I would love to see more, um, more musicals, more romantic comedies, more romances, more just like, I don't know, normal genre films that Hollywood used to make and that people pay right. money to go see. And I realize I'm part of the problem because I'm not seeing go, going to go see this in theaters uh but yeah i mean it, it's certainly one of those things where it's like you know i've wondered because of the I, like i said we, we said this at the start of the podcast and it's still true it's way too soon to make any proclamations about this film's box office um you know come back five weeks from now and if it's under 50 million yeah we can one i think worry about the state of theaters too i think you know yeah i think a lot's riding on when Fast and Furious comes out to get that to make a lot of money. Because otherwise, I think the yeah. theaters are going to be like, uh, oh, crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do wonder if musicals seem more like, I don't know, if it's like anything original seems like more work to audiences who are tired from the rat last year. And it's just like, oh, let's just go see the new Marvel stuff. And it's just like, right. you know, Marvel has just continuously doled out, you know, endless stream of content as we have progressed to the latter half of the the quarantine period and uh i do wonder if it's just going to be uh you know nothing really hits except fast nine and black widow and you can blame that on the hbo max strategy or just changing audience taste i don't know but i think it'll be interesting well josh thank you for stopping by this week um if you're someone who is like I don't, it's like, I need to be sold more on people are dancing in the street and it looks cool. Like, I don't, where are we, where are we at in, in movie going culture? But um, tune in in the next few weeks on the latest. Uh, next week, we'll probably be touching on uh, Luca, the new Pixar movie, as well as probably, uh, we'll probably bring Christy Strauss back to talk about the newest uh, MCU show, Loki. And week after that, rev up your engines because it's Fast and Furious week. Talking about the new movie and the whole franchise. Back to the movies with Vin it's, it's Diesel. Gonna be, it's going to be all about family. <laughs> yes. I, as much as I make fun of everyone wanting to see blockbusters, I will be there as well. So looking forward to, uh, I don't know, they're going to space in this one. We'll find out. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>